I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and this is The Last Best Thing. It's an interview show centered around one question. What is the last best thing you've watched, read, listened to, or eaten? I ask this question because people love sharing whatever they're enthusiastic about, and I love hearing about it. In today's episode, I'm joined by Adrian. My name is Adrian Perez. Now, Adrian has been my friend since we were in high school. For a while there, we were both a little bit Tumblr famous. He was more famous than me on Tumblr. If you don't know what Tumblr is, it's okay. It's an old internet platform. Um, but Adrian is one of the people that I've known for the longest time that's really been into video games and is really thoughtful about video games. So naturally, his answer was the last best game he's played. And the last best thing I've played was Half-Life Alex. From there, we talked about the advances in VR technology because Half-Life Alex is a VR game. We talked about his work designing escape rooms. We talked about game mechanics and the author's intent as an important thing. And it was just a very fun conversation, especially if you like video games. If you don't, if you just care about puzzles and design, it's also really interesting. I hope you enjoy the conversation because I certainly did. So go ahead and sit back and here's my conversation with Adrian. Uh, Half-Life Alex, uh, first, it was a surprise. Like, it was last November 2019. Everybody was just expecting a, a, a regular, like, life. Yeah. With the assumption that Valve, this uh, company who used to make video games, but now just has a storefront and that makes billions of dollars and it's a private <laughs> company, that they're never, ever going to, like, produce a game again. Yeah. They're the ones who made Portal and Team Fortress it's some like iconic like industry shifting stuff yeah but their crown jewel half-life their single player game we all assumed that it's not gonna come out again yeah uh they had half-life one half-life two and two expansions each of them essentially like the best in the industry uh we all assumed that it was dead and then they said surprise it's coming in march uh and uh, it's also going to be in VR. And that was the huge disconnect from a lot of people that they don't have the VR system. Right. But it is pretty much a culmination of all of VR game design and uh, that has worked and pushes it forward, but makes the world of Half-Life this like a totalitarian occupation of City 17, like some Russian Czech like city feel new and exciting and horrific in a whole new way and it's incredible mm. yeah that's i remember hearing about that too because i've like half-life was one of the first really good pc games that i played that i was just like this feels like a movie even though looking back it's just like it doesn't really but at that time it did so half-life's always been huge and the re- the announcement of it being in vr was to me pretty significant because up until this point it seems like all of the vr games have been kind of gimmicky i don't know if if, or maybe it's just because i'm ignorant about vr no 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 yeah totally yeah and so like half-life being on vr seemed like oh someone is taking this seriously and someone is putting an actual game on vr right yeah so um usually like a, a vr game has one or two like good ideas and it's basically, hey, we figured out this kind of locomotion, this way of moving in, in VR. Or, hey, we have a real cool reload mechanic and we built an entire game around it. Yeah. Uh, Half-Life, 
marries that with uh, narrative and theme in a way that no other game has done and essentially like mirrors the innovation that they've had previously on like half-life one where it marries a story with its level design in a way that had previously never been done like previously to half-life the kind of like first person shooter was just like doom it was just like hallway after hallway and then with no like cohesion between level one and two or two and three etc yeah but with half-life like everything made sense linearly Mm. in a linear path uh so and half-life 2 even more so yeah and with the inclusion of physics and and those kind of puzzles so half-life 2 excuse me uh half-life alex's um use of all sort of mechanics that it kind of essentially mastered that previous games have, have tried and and pioneered but have done so with its own innovations in locomotion Mm. it's essentially like it doesn't discriminate between anybody's like ability to play vr uh because not everybody has the it's like sailing a boat like (laughs) sometimes you're gonna have like good sea legs and sometimes you're not right uh and uh, some people get sick in vr or it it gets easy to get sick and alex does a good way of offering every kind of experience type Mm. to minimize uh your sickness or just to find like the 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 player experience that is more comfortable to you Mm. so since i've been doing vr for a while i have pretty good vr legs so i did something (laughs) called continuous locomotion okay so i just press up on my thumbs on my left thumbstick and i walk like a regular video game person okay so for me it feels like a more cinematic experience um just experiencing the world but also in a gunfight like i'm john wick in that game like i'm <laughs> i'm advancing on a dude and i'm flicking out my expended magazine and slamming another one and uh hitting my slide to uh, get the new round into the into the chamber like i'm i'm in it and yeah. when something scary happens i'm also in it and then my partner laughs at me Yeah, you know, it's I I know you've been on VR for a while now. Actually, the first interaction I ever had with VR was your first Oculus Rift, which was probably back in like 2000. I want to say 2011 or 2012. It was a while ago. Yeah, I had a um, a dev kit. Yeah, uh, yeah. like the very, very first one from like their Kickstarter. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And I remember the demo was like you're on a like a wooden roller coaster and then you also go on planets and you can get really close to them and just the the scope of it was immense but i do remember getting really dizzy afterwards and kind of like breaking out into like a sweat <laughs> yeah the tech's gotten a lot better um yeah. and uh, so now with vr there's the the first one didn't have any kind of spatial uh tracking so okay. that means it it's only just a gyroscope on your head Okay. It's basically like a, one of those old, like those, uh, like the phone VR systems. Yeah, like the Google Cardboard or whatever. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, with some sensors, it's able to now tell like where you are spatially, um, and that's pretty much standard. Whether or not that your headset needs outside tracking or inside tracking. So inside out is basically like your headset has the sensors to find your environment. Mm. So all the new Oculus stuff is inside out. Uh, I played Alex with uh, outside in with like uh, with a Vive Pro, okay. 
Okay. Um, so I would still get tangled a little bit. I would still have to find like the sweet spot where my sensors can see me. Mm. Um, for some reason, I had to play in the day <laughs> a, a, a bit more, so that sucked. Um, now, but, did you need to play in the day just so that the sensors could pick up like your location within the room or something like that? I think so. That's, I don't okay. know. I, it shouldn't have mattered because the sensors just their IR blasters. It just yeah. like like sends it fills my room with infrared. Okay. Um, it just might have been just like a superstition thing. <laughs> like, if I yeah. look this way and if it's the daylight, I do better in this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's that's super cool. I did not know that about VR. I thought it was just it was just pretty much the same. Just the graphics got better, but that kind of makes me want to try VR again. Yeah. There's... So the fidelity's gotten a lot better, and um, Valve put out these controllers called the Index controllers that. Mm. You basically like strap it onto your hand so you don't hold anything per se they're just like stuck onto you mm. but it has finger tracking okay so if i want to like flip off a like a head crab little parasitic animal <laughs> that sits on your head i can finally and something that i've been wanting to do since 1998 <laughs> exactly no that's that's pretty cool and what other um like you mentioned in in half-life one one of the, some of the big mechanics were you know just this cohesion between the levels right there was no bland like box and the next box and the next map or something like that and then in half-life 2 there was a whole physics of gravity and stuff like that which really affected the combat because you had a gravity gun that kind of stuff what would you say are some of the big mechanics that half-life alex introduces or fleshes out in in this game um it's the way you the way you interact with the world is very personal mm. personal um just because if you are um turning a valve it's just not you're not pressing like the f button to use right. you are physically turning the thing right um so it makes the intimacy a lot more clear of your actions with the world hmm. but there's um one particular level that everybody's losing their brains about and it's called jeff okay um so good game design and you see this in like in in from like zelda to bioshock to this is that when it's introducing you to a new mechanic uh it first tutorializes something to you yeah and then ramps it up yeah uh and then it tests you so that could be like a boss fight or right. something. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, you unlock the crossbow. Let's show you some easy targets on the crossbow. Let's put you into a dungeon with the crossbow. Now f defeat the boss with, with the crossbow. The crossbow. With, yeah. with all the things that you have learned to put it to the test. Mm. Um, like that's a classic trope. Um, so with Half-Life, it's you are learning how the environment is can be affected and how how you can make noise basically okay. okay uh and jeff is a blind unkillable man oh. like with his head split like vertically apart <laughs> oh, wow. like a like a venus flytrap kind of or thing. like and like, he's... like the dogs in silent hill kind of yeah so it's like <laughs> a mix between like that and like like pyramid head and the clicker oh. from uh last of us yeah <laughs> um but he can only hear so you're now in a vodka 
factory with a lot of loose bottles that make noise if you run into them. Oh. Uh, and so you, and, but he, as he walks by, he puts out like a poisonous gas hmm. and you have to literally put your hand up to your face to like close your nose in the game so yeah. you don't cough from the spores. Yeah. Um, so it's a way of, of navigating your environment, throwing bottles to distract them away from you. Yeah. Uh, and at one point, you have to open up a garage door by creaking, by uh, turning a creaky wheel, something that he <laughs> super, super hates. Yeah. Uh, and so, so the puzzle then is how do I distract this guy? Hmm. Uh, and it's a, you're, you're feeling panicked because you can't do this puzzle and you know that in your environment, the t valve gave you all the tools to solve it you just are just can't see it right now uh. until you realize oh they made me interact with a door earlier like yeah. a freezer door yeah that latches uh first you have to grab the handle uh close it and then latch it so that's using both hands like that's two hand actions yeah um to open one previously but now there's one open that's weird <laughs> oh my god i can <laughs> i can trap him into a freezer ah so you get a bottle you throw it in he he follows in you shut the door uh drop the latch and you feel victorious you can now open the thing he's screaming <laughs> and you try to turn on the elevator that's behind that door yeah and everything turns off like the entire room turns black and you're re rewiring it using one of your tools that you have. And you, to your horror, you realize that the on switch is in that, that freezer. freezer. <laughs> okay. So you're like, oh, no. Now I have to let him out <laughs> and worry about him again. Yeah, and, and not make any noise so he doesn't see you, right? Or something right. Like that. And now yeah. he's pissed. <laughs> um, so I think that it, it was a marriage of mechanics of environment storytelling mm. that uh might be one of like the most iconic like sequences in a video game yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah absolutely it sounds like it it definitely does but there is something about game mechanics that i think there's a way to play games the right way and the wrong way and that that might sound elitist or something like that but i do think that is true and you're one of the people that I've met, that I've known my life that plays games the right way, because um, sometimes like I get kind of lazy. I watch gameplay streams of people playing games that I play, and they just they're doing things that I don't do just because I'm lazy. Or for example, back in the Bioshock Infinite days, I remember complaining about the battle. There was like a grappling hook that they gave you right, and a series of guns or whatever, and you had all of these other add-ons that you could do and i was like this is so boring i would just do the same thing over and over again and then you posted a clip of you doing like all of these acrobatic jumps and twists and all and i was like okay that would make the game a lot more fun um, but do you think there is something in between uh, where a mechanic needs to be accessible uh in order for it to unlock that level uh, unlock that level of enjoyment or do you think uh it's okay for them to have that difficulty curve that kind of rewards players i'm i'm of two minds of that actually like mm -hmm. at one point like there's an authorial intent behind mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. um that 
uh even like scorsese him saying like please don't watch my movie on a phone like that's <laughs> not my not that's not the authorial intent right. that i had in making the irishman yeah um so but at the same time i also don't think mechanics like the dark souls games never really like attracted me all too much just because I, i'm not i'm not good at them and their mechanics yeah. i bounce off of that like death mechanic uh, again and again and again yeah and i don't i simply don't have like the lifestyle to play that anymore <laughs> right uh, uh but it, it's definitely a creative decision yeah. to say i uh, if you bounce off you bounce off this is how you play bro versus <laughs> right. like the mechanics are a garden for you to like explore mm. and, and figure out and and make it your own mm. and it's hard because uh, <laughs> I've designed stuff for my own work that when I see people interact with them in a different way, right. it's always interesting to see how like a, a new way of coming to it. But if it essentially completely breaks the whole conceit of uh, the experience that they're having, right? I, I feel defeated in, in a strange way. <laughs> yeah. And it becomes like an obsessive kind of a thing for me. Like, I can't believe I didn't think of this other thing right. that this person did and they back solved or they like broke the narrative in some way. Right. Yeah. And to be clear, you're talking about you design escape rooms, right? For, for as part of your job. Yeah. So I am a technology librarian at the Austin Public Library. Nice. Uh, and what that basically is, is just like I... Um, the city's nerd and party planner. <laughs> nice. Um, so part of that, we've done three already and are planning a fourth one. Um, so it it's a, like a several thousand dollar like escape room that we design. Wow. And my input into it is very much like making custom props with 3D printing. Uh, and so it's been a, a real cool experience of like designing a a whole set of puzzles that one organically leads to the other all within a story so it's basically yeah. like half-life it's like it's, a, <laughs> it's it is game design basically right. yeah it is uh the first one that we start the the last one we did last year was uh stranger things mm. uh and cool. uh using something that i heard on a podcast years ago from sean vanneman like game designers from uh from Campo Santos who later got bought by Valve and made Half Life Alex. Yeah, that was gonna say that was the ones they're the ones that made Alex, right? Before that they made uh yeah. what was their Firewatch. Yeah, Firewatch. Um they had they coined a thing that always stuck with me it's called Diamond Design, where everyone starts from the center, from like okay. one point, and then you give the player a whole lot of options and they all fan out. But at some point, if you're coming to the end of a game or end of an experience, to bring every back everyone back to the end point again. Huh. So if in in a game, if like it's an open world, uh, and, and they're finding all kinds of ex different kind of experience and and having different kind of experiences, that's all great. But you'd have to funnel them back into an authored event, right? An authored like tunnel. Right. Uh, and similarly with like an escape room, you have 10 people in a room, 
all having their own and little experience. Yeah. But you have them start in one same place. You diamond them out. You let them do all sorts of varied things simultaneously. Hmm. But at the end, you have to bring them back. So our start was uh, we tell them, hey, the previous AV club, they left a message on a tape. Uh, Listen to it and have fun. Hmm. But on the tape, we had one of our teen volunteers pretend like to be Max from the show. Yeah. Saying, hey, we're all stuck in the upside down. You need to get into our lock into my locker uh, to find stuff that can help you get into the other lockers. Because somewhere in the room, there is a portal to the upside down that you need to close. Ah. And uh, Eleven and all the other folks who have lockers have prototype like machines that can turn it off okay so uh once you get into max locker there's like eight start points for eight different puzzles Hmm. that then lead into more puzzles and to lead to more puzzles yeah and then i realized last year that when i was designing it that uh that a lot of the puzzle concepts i was basically like taking from resident evil 2 (laughs) Uh, so, uh, one particular puzzle I remember in Resident Evil 2 is that, uh, you are in a police station and they're, uh, you're a brand new, um, what's it called? Recruit uh, now? Yeah. Recruit, yeah. uh, named Leon Kennedy. Yeah. And they were going to throw you a, like a, a welcome party. Hmm. Uh, but they try to haze you and they locked your... Uh, your desk uh, but there's two separate locks so mm. one lock you unlock it but the other lock you uh, you have to find like under a zombie or something like that yeah but I like that concept of having two locks on one particular box right. so we bought a film like an old film canister mm. uh, that you f- hold reels of film and we put a padlock on it on both sides yeah um, so it always would like it was the best like thing to witness a player. They solve this huge like involved like three person involved puzzle. They get the <laughs> they get the code. They unlock one side of it and they think, yeah, let's open this ca- film canister to see what's inside. Only to realize, oh no, <laughs> there's a whole different lock on the other <laughs> side. And it's that it is that like emotional reaction that I like to elicit that like now that i recall me talking about jeff yeah like you are designing these experiences to have those like emotional ups and downs right uh the same way i had that emotional high that emotional up when i realized i had to let jeff back out yeah yeah i feel you totally and you touched on something earlier too which is the whole you can't just have total freedom in a game because that leads there's no driving force behind it right there's nothing that's pushing you forward that's propelling you at a certain point there needs to be some authorial line that you need to be on for the good of the game for the good of the enjoyment of the game above all things because if if it's just a totally open world game you have no idea what to do you have no motivation as to what to do you have no reason to actually do anything right right uh, so sometimes that comes in the form of story. Like yeah. I'm interested where this narrative goes. Right. 
uh and how is that story being told is it told like through cinematics is it told through the environment mm. um something like bioshock is like it, the story is being told in the environment there's graffiti yeah. everywhere you can see that there's like a civil unrest that happened right or um it can be a cinematic experience where they take the control away from you and the camera out of you the current perspective and it's mm. like a little cutscene, a movie right that's happening at the moment um very kojima-esque <laughs> uh but there has to be there's authorial intent in everything yeah uh, even in like a open do whatever they still like have a critical path yeah that absolutely. they would like you to go down at, mm. at some point yeah but whether or not people follow it is essentially an indictment of how well you did elsewhere yeah on the motivations you provided or, or or yeah i would say it's that because if it's more fun for me to mess around outside of the thing that you wanted me to go see then that's on the designer right yeah i uh, and uh, if the mechanics are just fun enough just to mess around, mm. that's fine too. Like yeah. that's like a, a Grand Theft Auto kind of right. a thing. If I'm just want to blow up cars, that's <laughs> fine within itself. Mm -hmm. But there's always going to be like in the back of my mind, like, oh, there's also like a 60 hour narrative right. attached to it. When, if ever I'm like ready to engage with it. Yeah. With really good voice acting that I kind of want to experience and cool story and maybe i'll unlock new weapons or whatever right right but but sometimes like now we're seeing it now like the sandbox is the it is the appeal yeah like that's fortnite yeah that is it's the same experience just uh with different kind of like area that you dropped in mm-hmm um it's that's player unknowns battlegrounds called yeah. pubg like where uh the story doesn't necessarily matter anymore. Yeah. The context is universal, essentially just like battle Royale. Yeah. Uh, and every experience, every time you do it, it feels, uh, different though. Yeah. Uh, it, no. Yeah. I get, I get what you mean. And, um, you know, this all, this whole thing also reminded me of, have you ever seen the Ars Technica war stories videos on YouTube? No. So it's old game developers talking war stories about their signature games. So you have, for example, the lead designer of Serious Sam talking about how their demo totally saved their game. Or you have um, my favorite one is Andy, I think it's Devin from Naughty Dog, the co-founder of Naughty Dog. Mm -hmm. And he's sharing a video on how they worked on Crash Bandicoot for the PlayStation. And one of the things that he was talking about was, okay, so we wanted to do a 3D platformer. We like the platformer ruled the 2D world, but we wanted to bring it into the 3D. And one of the things that they didn't want to do is they they said we wanted the game to still be fast paced and kind of keep you moving. So we didn't want to give the player too much freedom or to the point where they could just walk around the vil the the villains that we're sending to them. Right? He said. So in everything, we're like, okay, we have to remove a dimension from them, and that hmm. didn't always mean you know, X, Y, or Z, sometimes it meant time. So it's just like, you don't have the time to hang around here because something is chasing you or you're riding a boar that you just, it's running and you're just riding it and you have to go forward. So I thought that was a super creative way to look at it, especially when he talked about all of the technical 
challenges they had, like the GPU on on the PlayStation could only handle, I think could only draw like 15,000 um, vertices at a time. And like a third of them were dedicated to Crash because they wanted him to look like an animated cartoon. And But that whole concept of removing a dimension at a time and per different puzzle was super interesting to me. And it kind of ties into that where it's just like, okay, um, in order to drive this game forward, it can be as open as ever, but just removing something makes you kind of move forward. Yeah, uh, being confident in your in your design that it's okay to be subtractive yeah in something like yeah. everybody has like the mentality of when i'm creating something i have to like add do more yeah but sometimes doing more doesn't work yeah uh, sometimes taking away is like ex can elevate it also yeah, yeah definitely totally and if you haven't seen that video, dude, you should go check it out. It's really cool. Cool. Is there, um, you, you mentioned that you were disheartened when someone would break one of your puzzles. Is there one story that you remember very specifically of someone doing something totally weird that solved one of your puzzles? Yeah. Um, by touching something. Um, <laughs> the very first one was called H2O No. Okay. And the, the premise of that is, um, that a super villain, uh is going to evaporate all of austin's water okay uh so he's very like like a pyro like he's he's a pyromaniac <laughs> he's all about fire and infernos and stuff like that uh and uh, so we, we bought pipe and drape so just like um uh, a curtain that we can drape over yeah. um yeah it's like a tripod with a, a rail going around so we essentially can create a smaller room within a larger room right and along that pipe pipe and drape we have a couple of framed pictures of like the god of infer of the greek god of fire and the aztec <laughs> god and like here's a old etching of the london fire just stuff on fire yeah but uh those painting those pictures were glued onto like a a spray painted case that can open uh that are zip tied to the user to the to the player but mm. for us the game designers there's three usb hand warmers in three of them mm. uh so the puzzle is that you unlock a help me out here it's um like predator vision you're seeing the like heat. Uh, yeah the heat vision yeah that's like a uh so they unlock it they turn it on and realize, oh, wow, I can see my hand in this really cool way. <laughs> and then they start looking at their environment. Yeah. And then they will see that three out of the 12 pictures are hot. Okay. Uh, and then that, if you read it uh, linearly, left, right, that creates your code. Three, two, one, whatever. Ah, okay. Because um, the clue is like, oh, uh, the key to this is my hot art. Hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> so someone I think it was actually like a city councilman who came by to play it okay. uh, he just touched the art and he realized <laughs> this one's hot this one's not I think the code is this 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 my, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see that city councilman at the Museum of Art because he's probably. It wasn't the first time he's touched the yeah. painting. <laughs> 
that is super funny and that is... i i don't know how to like to, to design around that other than just tell people don't touch the art please <laughs> no yeah and totally and that's something from a video game standpoint that you like you can't reproduce in a game right there is i think that's the there's touch and smell that's missing from games is what i think and uh, valve has been pushing the envelope on all of these things even now vr i i would hope that they at some point develop something with touch or something with i've always wanted smell i think smelling a video game would be awesome not for like the the dead the dead scenes of stuff like survival horror would be awful with smell but i think something like um what was the name of that ps4 game that was like post-apocalyptic robot dinosaurs it was like their Zelda uh, Horizon. Yeah, Zero Hori Dawn. like I, th I always wanted to smell Horizon Zero Dawn because I thought it would be amazing, like pollen. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of pollen and robots and. Yeah. Um, so, do you think Valve will ever make another game again, or do you think they'll just absolutely the way that Half Life Alex ends, is basically yo strap up, we're doing this. Oh, nice. So ha um, Half Life, I don't know Half -Life how... Three confirmed basically <laughs> um and people like if you just see like let's plays online like people are having like emotional reactions to it mm. um and it, again like a mainline half-life game hasn't happened in like 13 years yeah. we all expected it to be like be dead and done yeah and for it literally like ends if if you don't mind spoilers on this now nah, go for it um you assume the like the body of gordon freeman again oh gordon freeman again and, oh wow uh they essentially retcon the end of episode two where alex vance a scientist colleague of yours dies yeah um he's saved by alex because of the events of half-life alex oh, wow. and alex vance says we gotta save her and gives you a crowbar and you reach out for the crowbar, and at that point, like, yo, let's let's do it. <laughs> oh, Half Life that... Three, whatever, let's do this. And uh, the high that it leads you on, you you want it to be in VR again. Oh wow, that is very very exciting because Valve releases games. I don't know. Have you have you heard of that pitch drop? That thing that's like a tree sap or something that drips down oh so slowly i think that 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 is what valve reminds me of because it's just like their games are so good i still have maybe the game that made me the happiest of that generation was like portal 2 of mm -hmm. the xbox 360 generation like that was probably my favorite um game of that generation it, they're just so and good it ended so well too yeah it uh, they teased like the lunar like after playing Alex I actually went back to see like a playthrough of the end of Portal 2 again mm -hmm. and I realized oh Valve has been knocking this out of the park on endings for a long time oh yeah there's they're, they're just so good at designing a game completely from beginning to end and I just lament that they don't release more uh, but maybe that's what makes them so so good right yeah you can't rush greatness, and uh, Valve is definitely that. But that is very exciting news. I may ha now have to invest in VR just so I can experience that moment of holding a crowbar. Cause that... And good luck to you, <laughs> because right now with COVID happening, people like that and like uh, Ring Fit Adventure are like the hardest things tech-wise mm. to buy. 
Oh yeah, no, I lucked out. I have, I've only been playing, um, the Nintendo Switch. I've only been playing Animal Crossing, but I know people at work that I'm like, go get. It. I've tried. I can't find a Switch anywhere, which is crazy. Yeah, like outside of a Target says we have no toilet paper, no hand sanitizer, no Nintendo Switches. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, hopefully one of those ends uh, ends shortly. So. Adrian, thanks for talking with me about Half-Life Alex. Is there anything else that you want to let the people know about it? Any parting thoughts? Uh don't mean don't be mad at it. <laughs> Just because it's on VR and and that like it becomes a, a thing that some folks uh can't play. Uh it is good enough that it'll be there when you come to it. Hmm. That's you know, that's the true statement, I think, about everything, because when Half-Life 2 came out, my machine did not have a prayer of running it. And I played Half-Life 2 probably three or four years after it released, and it was just as good. Yeah. Same thing with that. All right. Well, thanks, Adrian. And I'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. The Last Best Thing was produced, recorded, and edited by me, Rodrigo Nunez. Special thanks once again to Adrian for joining me and having this conversation with me. If you're interested in testing out one of his escape rooms and you're in the Austin area, just keep an eye out for any escape room that takes place in the Austin Public Library. If you're there, it's probably designed by Adrian. Go check out that place. It's also really cool. The Technology Petting Zoo is one of my favorite things that I've seen in any library. Um, so yeah, you can find him on Twitter at APStyle, A-P-S-T-Y-L. He also wanted me to make a correction at the end. It, the scientist that is, uh, the scientist at the end of Half-Life 2 is Eli Vance, not Alex Vance. Um, he just wanted me to make sure that was corrected. Um, if you like this episode, please review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and subscribe to the show. Share it with your friends and, uh, thanks. And we'll see you guys next time. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.